Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the KPO podcast. I am very excited about this week's episode. Our guest is going to be Sarah Pierce talking about her new book, The Retreat. You may recall her first debut novel, The Sanatorium. It was such a big hit here at the Kirkwood Public Library. I remember the waiting list being incredibly long. So something similar is probably going to happen with the retreat. If you haven't read it, it just came out in July. So we're recording this in August. And I highly recommend that you read it. It was good. But let's get started with the interview first. Our guest today is Sarah Pierce. Her debut novel, The Sanatorium, was an instant New York Times bestseller and a number one Sunday Times bestseller and was selected as Reese's book club pick. Today, she is going to tell us about her exciting second novel, The Retreat. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. Well, to jump right in, uh, spoiler free, tell us about The Retreat. So The Retreat... um... I just probably say, first of all, it's can follow on, be seen as a bit of a follow on from the sanatorium, but it can definitely be read as a standalone. So if you've read the sanatorium, you might be familiar with um, Ellen Warner, who's our detective, our British detective, and she kind of reappears in the retreat. But yeah, it's by no means a sort of must have to have read the first book. Um, and this time, um, Ellen's actually uh, investigating a case on a remote island off the Devon coast. Um, a luxury retreat has been built there, sort of promising everything wellness, paddleboarding, yoga, everything relaxing. Um, but yeah, things soon sort of take a dark turn when a body of a woman is find, found on the rocks below the yoga pavilion. Um, and it's up to Ellen to investigate as sort of things appear not quite what they seem at first. Um, Ellen, it looks like it's going to be an accident, but yes, things take a sort of darker turn quite quickly. So. So poor Ellen, uh, every time she goes on vacation, she encounters <laughs> dead bodies, apparently. <laughs> so uh, what was the inspiration behind Ellen? And did you plan on creating a serious character when you wrote The Sanatorium? Yeah, I think Ellen was very much a character I'd kind of sort of had in mind for a little while um, when I was sort of thinking about writing a novel. And I knew her kind of character arc would very much extend beyond the sanatorium. I think in the in the first book, we see her as a character who's probably quite unusual as a detective. We don't meet her kind of on the job. She's on a career break um, and feeling quite vulnerable, I suppose, both personally and professionally. Uh, we leave her at the end of the sanatorium, really wondering whether she's going to go back to her job. She's solved a case. She's managed to work through some of those problems, but we leave her a bit of a turning point. In the retreat, we do see her back at work, but she's actually on secondment. So she's working a desk job. So yeah, she's more or less sort of thrown in um, to this case by her boss, a bit of a kind of dangling a carrot of, do you think you can do this? Go ahead. I've got confidence in you to do that. Um, but yeah, she's quite an interesting character. We very much see her sort of emotions um, on the page, as it were. And yeah, I wanted to do something a little bit different with her as a character. I think quite often we see detectives who are kind of strong in, I guess, what would be traditionally seen as quite a masculine way, a traditionally masculine way. But Ellen is sort of very there, open with her emotions. And I think that's a strength in itself. So, yeah. Yeah, I would have to agree. As I was reading, I was surprised to see so much emotion from the detective. Often with a lot of mystery books, you don't see that level of emotion and, and just the deep vulnerability. She's really struggling from recovering from the case. And then also, and I won't give away anything, but family problems that she's had in the sanatorium. How did Ellen evolve from the sanatorium to the retreat? 
Yeah, she's very much, I think, in the sanatorium, again, as you say, without giving away any spoilers, some questions she's had over her sort of past and her brother's death have been resolved. So she has the answers she needs, which I think has sort of shored her up a little emotionally. But professionally, I think those doubts are still there. I think there was a case she was dealing with, a prior case um, before the sanatorium, where I think she became sort of doubt herself as a detective and I think in this book she's kind of back in the job almost itching she's in a really interesting juxtaposition I think she's itching to get back into the role but those nerves are still there however I think in the book we see her probably more confident than she was in the sanatorium and she also has a partner um, and I think it's quite interesting to see the dynamic between the two of them as a team um, and how that affects her confidence and I think her as a person throughout the book she very much in the first book we saw her sort of rely emotionally on her partner will um and i think in this book again without giving too much away that reliance is there but due to perhaps what goes on in the novel i think she's learning to sort of draw on her own strength rather than seeking that from other people which is a change for her that's amazing i like that you put more emotion from the detective because you're right you don't see that very much in detective stories they they're like we don't have emotions we just solve cases yeah so. and, and exactly and I do often think the female detectives kind of very much are, are shown to ape male detectives um and if they are shown it's kind of those very sort of masculine I'm physically strong I'm kind of an ex-forces or I'm and I yeah I really wanted to show someone quite real because I genuinely one thing I'm quite passionate about in terms of anxiety and sort of mental health I think a lot of people put on a veneer when they're in a working environment, but it doesn't mean they aren't feeling those feelings. And I think just because you're working in a role like a detective where you're solving cases and in in a way other people's issues, it doesn't mean you aren't dealing with some of your own. And that's something I kind of want to get out there. I don't think the idea, and I think traditionally with with women in particular, the kind of idea of the hysterical woman, (laughs) that you can't kind of have those emotions or show them because that's seen as professionally not okay. I think that's wrong. I actually think being open with your emotions is a huge strength. And yeah, it's something that should be celebrated, actually. Agree. Agree. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> In unison, we agree. We yes. Agree. Yeah. How do you develop such layered, nuanced characters like the three sisters and their cousin in the story? Yeah, for me, I think we kind of I very much sort of map the characters out before I start writing. In this book, we kind of have Ellen's point of view, but as you mentioned, we have Three, the three sisters and a cousin. Um, and we go from the point of view of Hannah, who is a guest at the retreat. They kind of come for this sort of almost like a family reunion. And I really sort of had in mind with, I suppose Hannah as a character came first. One of the things I'm really interested by in families is the idea of sort of sibling order and how as a sibling, how you kind of evolve from a, I suppose your role in the family as a child. And I think we see Hannah very much as almost the peacemaker, the calm person, the sort of moderator. And I started sort of thinking around that and thought, how would the other characters be in order for her to be that? And I think you have two extremes. You have kind of Joe, who's the very sort of sporty, outgoing one. And then you have B, who's the kind of academic character. And yeah, I think Hannah as a person is very much sort of finding her feet and sort of finding her voice. And that's something I'm really intrigued by. I think often as adults, that sort of idea of sort of sibling order and who you are remains fixed. And people don't like seeing you kind of veer away from that, (laughs) even as you become a grown up. So, yeah, I was kind of very much sort of had that family dynamic fixed and sort of layered the characters up from there. But I also think sort of when you're writing, as you write and those scenes come alive, and you see the characters interact with each other. They very much develop, I suppose, of their own accord. Yeah. And I thought that the dynamic between the sisters, just just sisterly relationship was really well done. I mean, I have a sister, so I could see I'm like, oh, yep, there's things my sister and I do in there. 
<laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm one of three sisters. And I have to sort of caveat and say, yeah, they're not quite like the sisters in, in the book. But no, I think those kind of all of the dynamics, like you say, I think probably anyone with sort of siblings can relate. I think there's, it's quite complex. And yeah, another thing I'm quite interested in is how sort of as you get older and kind of leave that sort of close physical intimacy you have as kids kind of living under the same roof. I'm interested by kind of the idea of how much do you ever know each other as you grow up and that evolves, I suppose. And I think kind of all of those secrets and sort of things bubbling underneath, it sort of scares me a little bit to think, actually, when we were living under the same roof, maybe there was lots of things I didn't know about you. (laughs) You kind of assume you do, but yeah, maybe not so much. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I get that. I definitely feel that like with, like with my siblings. So I'm always thinking like, huh, you've had so many different experiences now that we're not under the same roof. So you, you've changed. So yeah. Yeah. And you kind of almost in a way expect them to be the same, I mm-hmm. think, don't you? And then actually it's like, oh, wow. No. <laughs> yeah. So switching gears a little bit, both the sanatorium and the retreat are set in isolated locales with a dark past. What made you decide to to create the books in that setting? Yeah, I, I, I love, personally, I love just one of my interests, actually, is kind of the idea of sort of beautiful places or luxury places or kind of um, very naturally beautiful places having a dark side. Um, and I think when I sort of explored the idea for the sanatorium, it was very much this kind of beautiful mountain setting and this kind of, yeah, I suppose what you might describe as a beautiful building, but yeah, kind of dark past underneath. And I love sort of just tearing back those layers. I think particularly as a society now, we like things kind of quite fresh and modern and kind of putting that take on it. But yeah, I'm intrigued by the idea that you can kind of can't keep a lid on the past, I suppose. And I love that sort of creepy sense of local history and sort of folklore that I've sort of woven into the retreat being there despite the new sort of modern facade and I love the fact with with Ellen her boyfriend Will is an architect so he has designed this new retreat on the island Um, and he very much without going into detail as to why wants to sort of make sure everything kind of feels new for the guests uh, feels very fresh but yeah the past is there bubbling beneath. That's awesome I love places that have a past People nowadays want things to look new and fresh, but I like old buildings. So that's yeah, I do. (laughs) Yeah, I really love the idea that the kind of there could be this sort of the energy sort of still there of the past. Mm -hmm. And I definitely, I mean, when I don't know about you, but kind of when I looked around sort of apartments and stuff as a as a student, you can kind of feel the history in some of the places. Yeah, I really I love that. Yeah, I prefer buildings that you know can tell stories. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, newer buildings don't have any stories to tell. No. And, you know, like kind of if you go down like here in the UK, you'll sometimes get like those older stone steps that are literally worn away from people's feet. Mm -hmm. And that to me is just magical. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the character or the um, the buildings in and of themselves are like a character. They're all around you. You're surrounded by this kind of a dark character. Yeah, definitely. I love the idea that kind of within books, one of my um, favourite books is a ghost story by Sarah Walters um, called The Little Stranger. Um, and it's a sort of historical ghost story. And um, yeah, there's a building there called Hundreds Hall, which is kind of conjured so evocatively on the page and kind of you feel the tension from the building itself. And I love the idea that sort of the physical environment around your character, in this case, Ellen or anybody else, is not just sort of feeling the tension from what's going on. They're feeling tension from the sort of very building and setting they're in. Mm -hmm. I just think it adds a whole new layer. And I think then you kind of almost see that character's reaction to that physical setting. Yeah, for me, it's just very immersive to write as well, which is which I love. (laughs) Yeah, sure. 
What kind of research did you do for the police procedure and law enforcement details in the book? Yeah, that's quite a tricky one for me because I know some authors sort of say, oh, I have a friend who is a detective or I know someone so I could ask. But for me, it was kind of, um, yeah, I had to sort of contact a retired murder detective who actually, quite an interesting role, I think, <laughs> um, advises authors on their plots. So, um, yeah, he's had sort of 20 or 30 years working in sort of law enforcement and in particularly kind of murders. So um, at the beginning of the book, when I was sort of researching, I very much kind of did big picture sort of ideas with him and saying, would this work? Would Ellen go out there on her own? Would she have a partner? Um, and he helped me with that. And then I have to say, as the book kind of goes on and I'm writing, I'm more or less bombarding him with a lot of questions um, and a lot of detailed questions. So he probably thinking, oh, there's another email from Sarah. <laughs> um, but yeah, kind of a lot of detailed. And I think it's important to get it right. I don't think you need to have every detail as you would in, in an actual kind of murder investigation or a or a kind of very strict police procedural novel, but I try to keep it as accurate as possible. Um, and yeah, he's invaluable for that. So And he does this for other authors as well. That's like his thing. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing because he said, actually, it's like been quite a nice way because obviously kind of procedure changes. But he said he's been able to keep on top of things in a way and kind of keep a foot in his old world by advising authors because he has to go and check. Is it still current? Kind of like what I'm advising them and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, he just advises authors and has a sort of a whole job around that, which is cool. <laughs> Yeah, one of the things I find fascinating is the differences between the U.S. system and the uh, the U.K. system. Yeah. Just even the the titles, the DCI, DS. I watch a lot of British television too, so I'm always like you're familiar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is really interesting. It's the same with the US, actually. And when obviously my US editor kind of goes back, obviously she doesn't change the titles because it's set in the UK, but there's so many differences between the two. It's yeah, it's so fascinating. Yeah, when you first get into reading British mysteries, you're like, if you're American, when I and I started when I was a kid, I'd be like, what are they even talking about? I guess this <laughs> title, I, I don't know. But I remember asking my mom because she read the mysteries before I did and she would explain it. And But now like, now we have British television. We can watch it as much as we want here. Yeah, so, so it's easier. Yeah. So in a way, you're kind of familiar from the television. I think it's probably the same with the with the US. I think with I watched a lot of kind of like CSI stuff when I was younger. And then it was quite funny when I was working things through the detective here. I was instinctively using some US names. And he was like, actually, no. So, yeah, I think it goes both ways. <laughs> Now, I've heard that writing a locked room mystery is probably one of the hardest techniques to do. So could you tell us about how you go about it and what are your influences as you're working through a locked room mystery? Yeah, it's, I, I think it is, it is really hard. It's kind of challenging in a few ways because I think probably set, started with sort of modern side of things. I think now for a locked room mystery, back with kind of Agatha Christie and sort of the sort of golden age, um, you didn't have technology in the same way that you do today. And I think one of the sort of tricky things you have as a, an author writing sort of a contemporary locked room mystery is the fact that there is so much technology. So I think that's probably find why you'll find sort of authors often putting their characters in situations or kind of weather situations where you can't have that. Because I think if there's a situation where someone can easily check on someone and their motive and their whereabouts, that makes life sort of a whole lot harder. But yeah, they're fun to write in one way because you have that kind of tension in a locked room mystery um, where everyone's kind of like closed in, but yeah, you need to think really hard about your characters and it kind of linking back into your point about sort of the sisters and the other group. 
everything sort of has to tie in really well. Your kind of characters, obviously some of there is red herrings, et cetera. But yeah, I think every character needs to play that role and you have to set that up quite quite well. Um, and yeah, I think my biggest influence genuinely is Agatha Christie. I kind of, she was born um, and brought up sort of in my town. So as a child, it was something we were sort of always familiar with. And I think I loved her way. Again, she had that juxtaposition of quite a, like a nasty crime with a very exotic setting. Some of them were set here, but obviously you have the Nile, you have them on a plane. And yeah, I love that idea of kind of luxury interspersed with sort of the danger she had. Yeah, they are tricking. Puzzling, I think, as an author to write, which is part of the fun. I think I I, as a reader, love sort of puzzling out that mystery. And it's quite like an intellectual challenge to do that as the author, which, mm -hmm. is, which is super fun. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine how hard it is to make a Locked Room mystery. Every time I would read like Agatha Christie or any of the other books I've read with Locked Room mysteries, I'm just like, how do they even come up with this? <laughs> Yeah, and then it's kind of definitely and it's kind of going through sometimes as well. You'll you'll have a thread which doesn't quite resolve and then you need to go back and check everything works. It's um yeah, it's very challenging. <laughs> so your first book, Sanatorium, was selected as a Reese's book club pick. What was that like? Oh yeah, genuinely, I can't help but smile. No one can see this, but I'm kind of smiling. Um it was it was really a life-changing experience and it wasn't even the slightest bit expected it was my debut um my publisher they don't kind of say to you you're kind of being sort of put in or sent off to the book club so yeah it came out of the blue and it was yeah life-changing in every way I think the immediate exposure you get not just sort of in the US but I suppose sort of globally I had like book clubs from India saying oh we follow Reese's picks and I genuinely think what she does in terms of lifting sort of female authors and often debuts is amazing I wouldn't have had that exposure otherwise and it's just yeah opened up my world so yeah unbelievable <laughs> Well, I would love to see both books as a movie or a TV series with Ellen and, and showing these locked room <laughs> exotic locations. And I think that would be a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the film rights have been sold. So, um, yeah, watch the space. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Fingers crossed. <laughs> it can be quite a lengthy procedure. So it's one of those things when sort of people ask. It's kind of like it can be two, three, four years or mm -hmm. maybe not at all. But yeah, the rights have been sold. So I'm crossing my fingers firmly. <laughs> So what are what's next for you? Will we see another mystery with Ellen and another isolated location? Yeah, maybe not such an isolated location, but definitely there's a book three with Ellen, which is as well as the sort of, I suppose, um, main plots you have in both the sanatorium and the treat. There's kind of like a secondary thread running along both books, this kind of character watching Ellen, um, which we'll see resolved in book three, which I'm really excited. So I'm kind of working on that one now. And then I'm going to be writing a standalone thriller and possibly may come back to Ellen one day. I don't know. <laughs> Exciting. So yeah. that's good news for all the Ellen fans out there that there's a third one coming. So got a, lot, a little bit more to kind of give, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. For our last question, it's something we like to uh, ask uh, all of our guests. What are you reading right now or what would you recommend we read? Oh, recommend you read. I'm kind of reading. I'm reading quite a few sort of proofs at the moment I've got kind of two or three on the go but I think one that I've kind of just finished up which I loved and I have to say I loved her debut as well um, so you may need to wait a little longer for the second one all the dangerous things is Stacey Willingham um, her, I read her debut of Flicker in the Dark which I absolutely loved and her second book um, all the dangerous things is kind of just as gripping um, she sets her book uh, have you read either of them before I, I don't want to kind of I have not yeah have not. so these are kind of set you're probably more familiar with the landscape to me and I probably 
probably this is why I love things which are so different from the UK, I suppose. Um, they're sort of set in sort of swampy Louisiana in the South. And she just conjures this absolute kind of sense of of place, which I find really evocative. So in A Flicker of the Dark, we're sort of following a, a serial killer um, who actually was her father. <laughs> we find out quite early on in the novel. And then he kind of makes a return. Um, and obviously her father's in prison. So we're like, what, what's happening here? Um, and yeah, the sense of place and the sort of, I suppose, intrigue she creates with the character. You're sort of doing it from the perspective of the daughter, her emotions about her father um, and how she's dealing with sort of, I suppose, the, all the eyes on the family with the return of this killer. It's just amazing. So, yeah, I'm reading a proof of her second novel, which is brilliant. All right. Two to add to our TBR. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love the Louisiana swampy setting. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's just it, it's just something so unfamiliar. And there's detail in there, even just about, I suppose, kind of local sort of foods and drinks. And yeah, it just feels very removed from my life here. So, um, yeah, I really think, yeah, captured by it. Um, and then just something else, actually, I'm reading at the moment as well is um, a book of poetry, the most beautiful book of poetry by Ocean Wong called Time is a Mother. Um, and I'm a huge sort of poetry fan. It's kind of primarily about the grief of his mother, but it's sort of life and love and yeah, just everything in between. I haven't read poetry kind of this powerful. It sort of hits me in my gut. And there's kind of, I think, lines in there that, yeah, I don't know, will stay with me forever. So I'm kind of dipping in and out of that at the moment. So if you're any poetry fans, highly recommended. <laughs> Very nice. Our guest today was Sarah Pierce. The Retreat is available right here at the Kirkwood Public Library and wherever gripping thrillers are sold. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. That's our show this week. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned next week when we have author, Professor Jill Peterfesso. She's going to be telling us all about women priests. I'm going to leave you with a quote by Neil Armstrong. Mystery creates wonder, and wonder is the basis of man's desire to understand. <laughs>